Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Id, Ego, and Us. I'm Julia. I'm Shreya. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about aerospace, airplanes, affinity, and agouti. We're going to start off with You Need to Know, where I'll be giving you guys an informational session and update on the Perseverance rover. Then we're going to head into Unsolved Mysteries, where Shreya's going to tell us about the enigmatic heist of D.B. Cooper. From there, we'll head into our theory and principle segment, Grey Matter, where I'll tell you guys about the theory of proximity. And we'll end with a segment from Shreya that I'm particularly excited for, In Depth, where she'll tell us about epigenetics. So let's head off into You Need to Know. Welcome to You Need to Know, where, as I said earlier, we'll be talking about the Perseverance rover. As you may know, Perseverance is a rover sent to space on July 30th of 2020 and landed on Mars on February 18th of 2021. The mission, called Mars 2020, was meant to seek signs of ancient life and collect samples of rock and regolith, which is broken rock and soil, from Mars, to be returned to Earth where they would conduct testing. So, if you go on the official NASA Perseverance rover website, you can actually view the rover in 3D, which I thought was pretty cool. Just by clicking on each part, you can zoom in and scroll around, and I think it's a great way to begin to understand the complexity of the mechanics and engineering that went into constructing this rover. It's been designed to record both audio and visuals on Mars that's being, that are being transmitted as we speak. As of March 2021, the rover has been collecting snapshots of its surroundings and analyzing rocks nearby. Team scientists have determined that several of these rocks show chemical similarities to volcanic rocks on Earth. They've also found evidence that some of these rocks have been eroded by wind and water. At the time, the rover's analytical tools, such as the drill bit, the sensors, the cameras, were still being tested. Scientists were plotting how they might have the rover travel the 40-meter high cliffs of ancient river delta. So, Mars has proof of there being a pre-existing lake and this river, and so they had the Perseverance rover land in that site so that they could examine it. They believe this now seemingly waterless site to be the ideal landscape for ancient microbial life had it existed. First, the rover was driven to a suitable spot to test its helicopter, Ingenuity. Ingenuity has since completed its first one-way trip. The trip to the river was expected to occur around June. Information on the current findings of the rover are scarce to the extent of my knowledge, but we'll keep you guys updated if any major findings are made. When the rover has finally collected the approximate 30 tubes of Martian rock and soil, it will lay them down on the Martian surface for a future mission to retrieve and fly back to the Earth for scientists to analyze. It's probable that this won't happen until uh, any earlier than 2031, but when it does, it will have been the first time a sample has ever been returned from Mars. That being said, let's move into Unsolved Mysteries, where Shira's going to tell us about D.B. Cooper. Welcome to the second segment, Unsolved Mysteries. I'm going to talk about D.B. Cooper. On November 24, 1971, a man named Dan Cooper bought a ticket from Northwest Orient Airlines. The flight was headed to Washington. He was a quiet man, but when he did talk, he had an intelligent vocabulary and a deep voice. He wore a white shirt with a black suit and tie, and he carried a briefcase. Once on the plane, he ordered bourbon and soda. After some time, he handed the flight attendant a note, and he was trying to be discreet about the fact that he had a bomb. So when he handed the flight attendant a note, she just put it in her pocket. And then, this is funny because then he had to like whisper to her, be like, you know, you should really read that note, I have a bomb. And so she 
she looked at the note and it said that he wanted her to sit with her sit with him and so the poor lady was scared and she went and sat next to him and then he opened his briefcase and showed her the bomb which she described as red sticks with a bunch of wires he then told her to write down exactly what she, uh, what he said uh, quote i want two hundred thousand dollars by 5 p.m in cash put it in a knapsack i want two back parachutes and two front parachutes when we land, I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff, or I'll do the job. He also demanded that the cash must be given in $20 bills. So once they landed in Seattle, they gave him money and set course to Mexico City. And on the way, D.B. Cooper jumped out the back of the plane with uh, his parachute. Before he jumped off, he put on a dark pair of glasses and took off his clip-on tie. FBI investigators were able to extract a DNA sample from the tie, so with that, let's get into the investigation aspect of the story. They called the case Norjack, meaning Northwest Hijacking. Shortly after the investigation began, the FBI released the serial numbers of the $20 bills that were stolen. Nine years later, a boy found a bag filled with money that matched the serial numbers, but there were only $5,800 from the $200,000 that were originally taken. One theory is that while Cooper was falling, the money fell into the Washigal River and washed up on Tina Bar. The first suspect was Floyd McCoy, who was arrested five years after Cooper's disappearance. He was arrested for hijacking a plane. This suspect is interesting because the heist McCoy pulled off is, was very similar to one of Cooper's. Both parachuted off from a Boeing 727. Both were calm and both passed notes to flight attendants that contained the phrase, no funny stuff. But McCoy did not match the physical features as described by the flight attendants. And so they concluded that McCoy, in fact, was not D.B. Cooper. Either way, McCoy was sentenced uh, to 45 years in prison because he hijacked a plane and he actually escaped from prison, but then he was shot dead in a gunfight with the FBI agents. The second suspect was Dwayne Weber, who apparently revealed that he was Dan Cooper to his wife moments before he died. His wife, Joe, was not too surprised because she recalls that Dwayne had nightmares about leaving fingerprints on a plane and that he also had a knee ailment that he said he got from uh, jumping off a plane. Joe also said that Dwayne took her to Tina Bar, where the money was found, and he even had a Northwest Airlines ticket for no reason. But an FBI agent said that Dwayne Weber did not match the fiscal description, therefore he was not found guilty. The last suspect was Kenneth Christensen. Kenneth's brother, Lyle, saw the case of D.B. Cooper on an episode of the TV show Unsolved Mysteries and was convinced that Kenneth was D.B. Cooper. Lyle said that as Kenneth was about to die, he told Lyle, start quote, there is something you should know, but I cannot tell you, end quote. Kenneth was a flight attendant for Northwest Airlines and he loved bourbon, the exact drink D.B. Cooper ordered. Kenneth also bought a house right after the incident, but we'll find out if Kenneth Christensen was D.B. Cooper or if they were associated on next week's episode, as well as more about D.B. Cooper's tie. Tune in next week for more Unsolved Mysteries. Okay, so today on Grey Matter, we're going to talk about the theory of proximity. So the theory of proximity is also known as the principle of proximity, and it is the idea that people have a tendency to form social relationships with individuals who are physically closer to them. 
An example of this may be a school setting, and according to the theory, you would be more likely to make friends with someone sitting at the desk next to you than a classmate sitting three rows away. So you're more likely to interact with someone closer to you, and therefore more likely to form a relationship, and this relationship could apply not only to becoming best friends, but enemies as well. Any sort of relationship may form. Another example may be your coworkers or neighbors. So you're more likely to form a relationship with the coworker whose desk is next to yours than one who works in the next room, and you're more likely to interact with someone living next to you than five, five houses over. The more you come into contact with someone, the more experiences you have with one another to form a relationship. This branches out to form other theories that both agree and contradict with this one. An example is the proximity attraction theory, which is the idea that proximity sort of breeds attraction because people, in general sense, are attracted to familiarity. So, being around someone repeatedly would increase the likelihood of their attraction to you. This both agrees with and sort of contradicts the theory of proximity because it does uh, agree in the fact that someone being closer to you, you would form a relationship, but in this theory, you would have to have a positive relationship rather than any sort of relationship. As for the origin of this theory, there isn't really. Everything has a start, but this is very difficult to pinpoint because it uh, just has been around for the longest time. Theodore Newcomb was a philosopher who happened to be one of the first to document the effect through his study of acquaintance philosophy, but again, this has been a present concept in sociology for an untraceable amount of time. So, Shreya, do you have any thoughts on the segment? Yes, I do. So, uh, I remember you saying, uh, uh, talking about how if you were closer to this classmate that was sitting right next to you, you were more likely to make friends with them than one with uh, a couple of seats away. So, what if beforehand you were friends with that one friend that was sitting a couple of seats away, but then you you were separated because you know you know whatever the teacher said oh you guys are talking too much so I'm gonna have to move you guys you know um, would that mean that because they are sitting further away and this is just an example so like if if you are physically distanced from someone else does that mean that your relationship gets weaker because again relation to pandemic everyone is like so distance right now so does that mean that according to the theory of proximity does that mean that our relationships with other people are getting weaker that's a really good question uh i can't decide what it is the theory means but from my perspective uh, i think you're absolutely right that the that i'm questioning whether or not the relationship would weaken and i would say yes because if you're not uh in close close proximity to someone you're not communicating you're not interacting with one another so there isn't much so much socialization going on between the two of you and uh we can see firsthand uh how our relationships with people either strengthened because of uh covid because we had to keep in touch and we had to interact with one another or not making that effort, the distance made it so difficult that we just lost those relationships. So yeah, I definitely think that the theory of proximity would mean being away from someone would weaken the relationship. Yeah, so I think what you said makes sense. That was just something that I was thinking about. Um, So I think that's it for this segment. Very interesting about the theory of proximity. And now, uh, next is in-depth, where I'll talk about epigenetics. See you there. Welcome to 
to the last segment of the episode. I'm going to be talking about epigenetics, but before I tell you what that really is, I'm going to give you an example so you can like start thinking about it. So if you've ever watched the show The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or uh, The Sweet Life on Deck, right? Um, uh, you see that Zack and Cody, they are very, very different characters. Now, note that they're supposed to act like this and twins that are completely different. This is sim- like, this is... Uh, a common theme for several shows. So we see that one of the twins, Cody, is determined and he's smart, and we have Zach who's like chill and laid back. Um, and then the the identical twins that play Zach and Cody, Cole Sprouse and Dylan Sprouse, uh, they're also identical twins. So we see that Cole is taller than Dylan, um, which is which which poses a question because if they're identical twins, that means that they have the same DNA. Uh, if they have the same DNA, doesn't it mean that Cole and Dylan should be the same height? The answer lies in epigenetics. So epi means above and genetics is genome. So you can think of epigenetics as things that are above genomes. So to read it off of a science research paper, the official definition to epigenetics is stably heritable phenotype resulting from changes in a chromosome without alterations in the DNA sequence. So that's a lot of words. So to kind of simplify that, I said that it is how other molecules interact with DNA and turn genes on and off without changing the order of nucleotides. So there are three sections or types of epigenetics and that is DNA methylation, histone acetylation, and miRNA, which is microRNA. Before moving on further, I wanted to include a little bit of information about bases, histones, and transcription because you need to understand these concepts. Uh, to really understand epigenetics and to some of you this might be a review of high school biology and to some of you uh, you might be hearing about this stuff for the first time so to help everyone like regain or learn it I I'm gonna talk a little bit about them so hydrogen bases uh, so DNA is a nucleotide. A nucleotide is made of sugar, a phosphate group, and a hydrogen base and there are four types or like names for hydrogen base and that's adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine and uh, adenine and thymine bond together and cytosine and guanine bond together and the order of these bonds actually help make proteins later when we talk about transcription. So histones, um, chromatin or chromosome is a collection of these histones wrapped with DNA. So histones are proteins and they're wrapped with DNA and we'll uh, talk a little bit about the connection between the histone and the DNA uh, later in the episode. And then transcription is the process of creating proteins. Uh, So we have mRNA, tRNA, and rRNA that work to create all these proteins based on the RNA. So the first section of our three sections is DNA methylation. So methyl groups are things that attach to DNA, usually somewhere near cytosine, and they control gene expression. So gene expression is uh, what kind of traits are expressed. Um, So genes are like a part of DNA, and they code for some certain trait, and then when that like when that gene is turned off by methyl groups, that trait won't appear in the body. So one place this is used is in cell differentiation. So when we're embryos, we have stem cells, and then later these stem cells 
develop into different cells like lung cells and stomach cells. So all, almost all of our cells in the body contain all of our DNA. But um, for example, when we have lung cells and heart cells, in the heart cells, all the genes that make a lung a lung are turned off and only the heart genes are turned on. And then in the lung, only the, the lung genes are turned on and all the other ones are turned off. Uh, so you might be thinking, what about when this is passed down to offspring? Well, when uh, gametes are made, uh, these methyl groups are erased. So when an embryo is developing, it will restart all these methyl groups and uh, like kind of, it's like a blank slate and all the cells develop on their own way and uh, on their own time. So the next section is histone acetylation and now we have acetyl groups that are attaching to histones and so when an acetyl group is attached the DNA becomes loose around the histones and that expresses that gene. So um, the tighter wrapped the DNA is the less that gene is expressed, the less that trait is expressed and then the looser it is the more it's expressed so it makes it easier for the, for the transcription to happen when it's looser. Um, and then last but not least, because this is my favorite, we have microRNA, and the abbreviation is miRNA. Uh, this is really, really cool uh, because it stops transcription, translation, I meant, um, right at the ribosome. So the mRNA, M messenger RNA goes to the ribosome, as it usually does, but then we have this microRNA that attaches to the mRNA and therefore it blocks the ribosome from being able to translate the messenger RNA. And I think this is so cool. Um, you could search up diagrams of this microRNA and it's really cool how it does it. Um, this all happens outside the nucleus, so the nucleus just sends this microRNA. So the messenger RNA can't be translated and this is this is really cool. I really recommend that you search up some kind of uh, diagram or video or something about this because I think that this is very very next level and this uh, is really helpful for uh, like fighting cancer and all these things but we'll get more into that later. So there were some experiments that were conducted to learn more about epigenetics and its effect on different organisms. So one that really shook out to me was the one that they did on mice. Um, so let's say we have identical twins, they're both mice, and one of them is brown and is an average size, and the other one is white, like a lighter color, and it's obese. This is because some mice have something called the agouti trait and this affects their color, their weight, and how vulnerable they are to disease. So uh, the one, the white and obese one was the one where the agouti trait was on. And this is a genetic trait, so it can be passed down from, from its mother to the offspring. So there are some things that you could feed the mom. For example, feeding it methyl groups will decrease the chance of the offspring getting it because again these methyl groups attach to genes and stop them from being expressed so if if, if the mother has the agouti gene and you fit it methyl groups it will decrease the chance of the the, the offspring getting it uh, so another uh, experiment that was conducted was about methylation again another methylation process uh, so 
uh, if neglected mice, meaning that they don't get attention from their parents, uh, they they had their GR gene methylated, and so they couldn't manage their stress. So this means that if uh, if a if a child were to be neglected growing up they wouldn't be able to manage stress as well as one that was cared for. So now you might be thinking, okay, we have traits turned on and off and why does this matter? It's because learning more about epigenetics can help us uh, learn more about disease in it and diseases and how to stop them. For example, cancer. What is cancer? It is the uncontrolled growth of cells. And sometimes it's also the cells not functioning properly and like not doing what they're supposed to be doing so this when cells aren't functioning properly it might mean that something is up with their genes with with the dna and the genes um and some part of the gene was methylated when it wasn't supposed to so like uh having an un unhealthy diet not being active enough and having a lot of uh, exposure to a lot of toxins these kind of things affect your genes and they turn off these certain traits that you need and for example like being near all these things might uh, lead to cancer so if we know more about epigenetics then it is possible that we can uh, handle can cancer better and help more people that need it and not just cancer patients but also uh, other other diseases that I can't think of right now but I'm sure there are a lot of them that um, that the root cause is something happening to the DNA and like tumors and mutations. So with that, I want to say if this is something that you enjoyed, if you liked what I said here and you're interested in the, the field of epigenetics, I encourage you to do more research, you know, because this is a very important uh, field of study. So if you're interested, please, please, please go check out some more resources. Um, and yeah, that ends this episode of Id, Ego, and Us. Again, please make sure to uh, follow our Twitter account. It's at Id, Ego, and Us. No spaces, no caps. And see you next time. Thank you for listening.